Well, good. Good to be with you. So I met some of you last time I was here, and um, thanks for coming back. <laughs> yeah, that's a good question, isn't it? When do you become a man? I, I was a fifth of five boys, and uh, so we grew up just outside of New York City, and uh, my, uh, I had basically, uh, we played a lot of sports, so I was the last guy, and so I had four coaches. Uh, that I was uh, always telling me what I did wrong or something, but they were a tremendous encouragement. But um, what I do, uh, I, I work a, with a lot of guys, um, helping them lead from the inside out. Who I am inside comes out. And um, that's, uh, that's a big challenge. And so I had a lot of fun uh, working with guys in their 20s and 30s and then guys that who are CEOs and uh, pushing through a senior leadership. And sometimes you wonder whether they've got a better deal or they really don't, those CEOs. It's, they take, it's a lonely job. It's a lonely. One guy's a head of 2,000 employees, and um, it's, it's really a challenge for him. But he's a committed believer, and so I'm trying to walk along with him to really live out Christ without ever saying it. And, and just that, what they see it in their heart and their opportunities. And what I'm excited about, he's got uh, seven VPs, and uh, two of them have come to know Christ just because they've watched his life. And then they ask the, the question, you know, Jerry, how, in the, how can I be like you? And um, he says, you don't want to be like me, but I'm just trying to be like Christ and Jesus. So um, that's what he, you know, we, we talked about. So um, I think when I was here before, um, I talked about uh, the uh, a band of brothers, and I've been thinking a lot about this whole idea of of, of um, finishing well. Finishing well is really important to us, and there are three aspects of it, and I'm going to just talk primarily about the first one. But the first one is having a vision for your own life. Having a vision for your own life. The second one is um, having intimacy with God the Father. And that includes the Trinity. Be close to the Trinity. Be intimate with the Trinity. And uh, that, that's a tremendous uh, pursuit. Uh, Paul himself said, you know, I, uh, all this that I've accomplished, he says in, in Philippians 2, uh, Philippians 3, I, I just... Um, uh, you know, it's, it means nothing to me. And, uh, but it, the only thing that means anything to me is the pursuit of getting to know Christ. Well, people are, that's where the energy comes from. That's where the power comes from. And then the third area is what I, I think I uh, had to hear before is just have a band of brothers that you have covenants together. Um, uh, I, I am not... Uh, a fan of accountable groups uh, because I've been in too many accountability groups and guys were uh, shacking up with, a, uh, with the secretary and uh, the whole time he's in the accountability group. And so uh, sometimes we talk about it, we, we chat uh, uh, about a problem I'm dealing with and we think by sharing it, by telling somebody, we've, we've overcome it. But it doesn't happen that way. So what I like is responsibility groups. I feel responsible for you. 
I'm responsible for Dan. I, I'm not. I'm not just going to you know sit across and now hold him accountable on a bunch of things that that plays in. But I pray for him. I think about him. I wonder what he's doing. Uh, I I read something. It's terrific. I fire it over to Dan. And you just have those kinds of things. That's the kind of relationship we need. So it's a responsibility group. So those are the three that will take you a long way, a long way. But this idea of vision for your own life, uh, Paul had that. Uh, Paul had it, uh, the apostle Paul. Uh, he had a vision for his own life, um, and it was interesting how it worked out because he called it a, a race. The vision for his own uh, was is, uh, embodied in a race. And so uh, you remember these passages for 1 Corinthians 9 uh, in 24 through 27. It says this, Do you not know that a race, in a race, all runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the game goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last. But we do it to, to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like a man running aimlessly. I do not fight like a man beating the air. No, I beat my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others... I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. Boy, I've got a race to run, and I'm going to run. I'm just going to go hard. I'm going to push hard. And it's, it's, it's the race of moving, we know with Paul, to know Christ but to communicate Christ to the Gentiles. It's, it was his basic, uh, this is that, that, this, that part that was his. That's the part where in Ephesians 2.10 it says, We are created in Christ Jesus to do good works, to do good works, which God had planned in advance for you to do. God has wired you. He's put you together. He's given you some capacities and, and gifts and strengths and all the rest. But he wants to put on your heart, my heart, something that really gets you to say, Now that's what I want to do. And it, it may be, have nothing to do with your vocation. Nothing to do with your vocation. But it does something, and God gets inside it, and it just starts moving. I read, uh, have you ever read this uh, book called, um, oh, shoots, uh, Following Fred? This guy, Fred. Fred's a, a, a male, uh, carries the mail. But he started out with the post office as a, uh, a young man. But he decided that along the way, as he dropped his mail off, he would help people. He would make their day. And it was just an exciting little story. And so, uh, for instance, one of the uh, places he delivered, uh, they, they told him that we're going to be gone for a week because they just trusted Fred so much. And so we'll be gone for a week. Well, then when he came by the next day, FedEx had put a box up in, the front, uh, in front of the front door. Well, he knew that if it stays there, somebody's going to think maybe after two or three days of being there, they're going to, you know, a burglar could break in. So he took it and he put it out back uh, under a little um, shelter and, and he put their mail that he would deliver now in that. And he kept it all week. He watched over it. And when they came back, 
he said, hi, you know, and it's good to have you back. He took him back there, and he brought FedExes. He brought other things in that were being delivered. And, and so he had a desire for his life to really change the attitude of people. Well, then they put him into to, uh, on a counter and doing things there, um, not out, out on the road uh, delivering, but he, he started to take, uh, get involved with other people. He had an energy when something was wrong and pe- people, uh, he had a break, he was going on break. He realized there was two or three lines. He says, okay, back, back here, here, and he didn't take his break. The guy was infectious. Everybody began to, and he was, you know, not this guy, great, we're going to write books about him, but he did get a book written about him because somebody noticed him and realized how he affected other people's lives. Well, it's just that kind of thing. It's it's to get a hold of it. So Paul said the race. Well, then, later in 2 Timothy 4, 7, he says, I have completed the race. It's at the end of his end of his life. I've kept the faith. I've run the race. I've, I've, I've done it. I completed it. And that's what we want to do. When we get towards the end of our life, say, I ran the right race. I, I fought the good fight. I kept the faith. And that was just not enduring, but he made something of his life. And, he, and it connected with other things. And so Paul sets the pace for us on that. But having a vision for your own life that you can get behind and do and use your life for. Let me tell you about An, uh, Antonio. I was going through a, a series of, of books about 15 years ago, 10 years ago, and I, I noticed there's a little story about Antonio. Antonio uh, was an immigrant from Italy. He came over here about 10 years ago, and he... Um, he was the fourth generation uh, florist. And so when he got here, he didn't speak English very well. So he started to work on that. But meanwhile, he got a job in a, in a florist shop because he knew that. Four generations worth. And so he got um, going and, and uh, did well and, and it helped it. And it was kind of infectious in some of the ways like Fred. But uh, he, he was... Uh, he did certain things with uh, the um, with this group, and, and finally, after about two years, he he had enough money, and he has had enough English that he could start his own florist place. So he started to look around, and uh, he found this one. It was a photo shop, big enough for to be a florist shop. So he went in there, found out he could rent it, and he did rent it. Changed it, put the sign up, Antonio florist. And uh, he was really, really so delighted. And he began to bring in all this and make the right connections and all the flowers and plots and plans and all the rest. But then um, on one day, there was a uh, young businessman driving home. He came to this big intersection and he was really delighted in himself. And the reason he was delighted is because it was their anniversary. And tonight was the night they were going to go out. You see, he had forgotten it last year. And he suffered for it badly. And so he was in the doghouse for months. And so he, uh, he made up for it. They were going to this beautiful place. And he was on his way home. 
and very excited about this, and so was his wife. And so he's just kind of smug and sitting there, and he as they came to the red light. And all of a sudden, he thought, he said, oh, my goodness, I haven't, I haven't bought a present for my wife. I've, I've done everything and, and laid, laid on all this, these plans and all the rest, but, oh, my goodness, I, I've got, I don't know what to do. Where, and he looks over, Antonio's florist. Oh, terrific. So he turns over, gets in the, the right lane, pulls over into it, and uh, pulls up behind, and, and he's excited, and it's a quarter to six, and, and he's got enough time. He thinks he could just get some quick some flowers and, and be home, and so he goes in, and the little bell dingles, and, and he's uh, Antonio's with another customer, and he's working, and he's saying, boy, I've got to hurry, you know, and so finally they walk out, and he steps up quickly. He says, so um, I, I, I want to buy uh, uh, some flowers. He says, no sell flowers. Well, what do you mean? I mean, <laughs> you got all these flowers here, you know. I said, yeah, yeah, no sell flowers, sir. Well, I mean, what, what, do, you, what do you have to do? I, I just, can I take some of these? He says, then a big smile came in Antonio and said, no sell flowers, sir. I sell beauty. He said, oh, okay, well, does that include flowers? He says, oh, sure, sir. Sir, what's your need? He says, well, I, it's my wife's birthday, and I forgot, and I wanted to buy some flowers. And then he says, what kind of flower she like? Well, I, uh, you know, I, I've, I've never bought flowers. Oh, sir, sir, no. Okay, what color she like? Well, <laughs> she likes the blue and, and, and uh, yellow, and, and he says, perfect. So, moment. So he goes over and he pulls some yellow and some bluish uh, uh, flowers together and puts it up. And he said, brings it back and says, you like, sir? He says, okay, that's great. Well, how much? Oh, moment. Little green. So he goes over and adds some little green in to in, mix it in. And boy, just they look beautiful. And said, he says, so you like, sir? He says, oh, perfect, perfect. How much? Moment. When you get home. Where you put flowers? He says, well, I just kind of give him my wife. Oh, no, sir, no. No, you, you, you give, you, you take a, a, a vase. You have vase? Well, I've, there's a big plastic. My, my wife has a plastic. Oh, no, sir, no. Moment. He goes down. He pulls out this beautiful glass-cut vase. And he looks at that and he says, I don't think I can afford that, sir. No buy. No buy. Antonio, loan to you. You bring back. Okay? He says, well, that's, that's pretty nice, you know. And he says, yes, just right for these flowers. So then he says, okay, well, how much? This is great, you know. And so he says, um, you have a card for wife. Oh, well. No, I, I don't have any card. I don't think I have time. Moment. He goes down underneath this, the counter and he pulls out this, these two beautiful card, cards, watercolored, hand watercolored, just gorgeous. He says, wow, this is beautiful. He says, yes, sir, this for you, for your wife. And so he says, okay. Uh, so then he opens it up and it's blank. And... 
he says, uh, doesn't say anything here. And he says, sir, you write. Well, I, I don't know how to write anything. Sir, what, what, what think you of wife? Well, I, yeah, she's, <laughs> well, she's my best friend. Yeah, so write, write. So he starts writing. Fills out the, almost the whole thing, puts it in there, and now he said he's got the card, and so they're all set. And he says, "Okay." He says, uh, "How much?" He says, "Moment, word from Antonio. You get to house, put car away, go in house, no flowers, leave in car, find out where wife is, and then when she no looking." You put flowers in the vase, put water in it, and find a place, a little table, where there's a doily or, or a nice little cloth, and, and your wife will discover it. Put the, the card against the vase. She discover it. Adventure. Well, that's, that's, yeah, that's good, good. So he pays for it, heads out, goes home, gets in, pulls into the garage and, and uh, goes into the house and, and uh, says, honey, I'm home. And so upstairs, uh, a voice said, yes, well, I'll, I'll be about five or ten more minutes. He said, take your time. He dashes out to the garage, picks up everything, brings it back in, puts the flay of this vase and right where the the, the stairs come down from upstairs and, and where the front door is. It's got a nice little area here. And, and so he found this little uh, uh, table. He puts that on and then puts uh, the flowers in the, uh, in the vase and puts the, this little card. And, and just in time, she starts coming down the stairs. So he decides, I'll let her discover. That's what Antonio said. So he goes and he starts walking up the stairs. He gets halfway up, gives her a big hug, and she says, Oh, this has been a wonderful day. I've been thinking about us together and this place we're going. This is just so wonderful. He says, Me too. And he gives her a little kiss on the cheek and says, Sweetheart, I'm going to go up and change my tie. And So uh, you go on down. I'll, I'll be right down. So he gets all the way upstairs, gets to the top, waits a little bit. He hears her down, and all of a sudden he hears this, and he says, are you okay? He says, oh, darling, this is wonderful. She's holding, he starts coming down the stairs, and he's holding this card, and, and, and then she's looking at these, these flowers, and she says, you, you've, never, you've never done that. How did you do it? He says, well, I, I knew I could get some nice flowers for you. Uh, well, uh, it's just, this is beautiful. How did you know these are my favorite flowers? Well, <laughs> you know, I, got, uh, no, so I know some things. So, you know, and, and so he's got this card open, and she starts reading it. Well, tears are coming down in her eyes, and she says, and he says, I better get out of here. So he went back upstairs, put changes to his tie. They got downstairs again, took off. Had a wonderful evening. And so just as he's, um, you know, getting ready the next morning, getting out, he's uh, driving back to, towards the office, and he gets to that same intersection. And he looks up, and he sees Antonio's flowers. He said, wow, I, 
I think I got enough time to go in and tell him what happened. So he pulls around, goes in there, opens the door, the little ding-a-ling on the door, and he's been in the back with all these kind of forest of things, and he says, moment, moment, coming. And he comes out of this uh, forest of, of uh, uh, flowers and all these things and, and looks and he says, oh, sir, wonderful, wonderful. And he comes over and he says, how it go? He says, well, I, I can't tell you. It was just absolutely just phenomenal. She loved it. It was a great hit and it was just, just wonderful. I, I just want to thank you for what you did. No problem, sir, no problem. He says, and listen, the vase, you know, I, I still have it in there. No problem. Bring back later. A week even. So he says, okay. So he starts walking over towards the door to leave. And he stops for a moment. And he comes back and he said, you know, when I came in here, I asked you for flowers. And you told me, no sell flowers. That we sell, you sell beauty. You really do. You sell beauty. Now, the reason I've told you this is this. What do you sell? What do you sell? What's the, what's the sum total of, of some of your life? You see, this, this was so uh, uh, powerful. And he continued to do this. And the reason that they wrote this in this leadership magazine was because he now had five other florist shops in the same city, and he was extremely successful. So they were looking all at the success. I was reading about this guy who said flowers, and no sell flowers, but he sells beauty. You see, that's what Paul was doing. He was caught up with what God gave him to do, and he pursued it in a way. He said, so I do not disqualify my own self. If you talk to Antonio, he would say, yes, when you sell beauty. Now, what happened because he decided to sell beauty, not flowers? What, what, what ripple effect took place? Well, he, he, uh, he could have easily bought a plastic little vase, just kind of fits and take it with you, throw it away when you're finished. But no, I sell beauty. So he took... And he had several of these, these uh, very expensive and beautiful vases. He also had those cards. He could have bought some just cheap cards and a bunch of them, envelopes, and you know, just sell them for two bucks or three bucks or whatever. But what he did was he found some of the best. Because I sell beauty, not just flowers. And so that is a powerful uh, example of what a vision for your own life does. It makes you do things. I remember reading where Paul the Apostle was saying, follow me, follow me as I follow Christ. I said, you know what? One day I want to be able to say that to my children. I want to be a a life-giving father. I want to be able to do something, and I want to set a pace for them that they want to follow. Well, I saw it happening, and there's some things that were going on, and we had a relationship, and I really worked at it. We'd have different times, but somebody told me one time, uh, Paul, where do, you, where do you do your quiet time in the morning? You're praying. And I said, well, I tuck away alone. And um, he says, can your kids see you? 
I said, what do you mean? He said, well, just can they see you with, in the scriptures and, and could you just kind of call them over? They're heading for school. Hey, come on over. Uh, here's one verse I wanted to just, got, God, I just want to read this to you. Read it. Give them a hug and say, and pray for them right for the school. And so then I started to pray for them and put my hands on the kids and just lay there and pray them for protection and growth and all the rest. And, and so I began to work that through and the kids kept getting older. And one day, our third child, who's a boy, he uh, gets married and, and he, his, he gets a job in, in Philadelphia area. And so he goes to Philadelphia and they're there and they have a little baby. And I'm coming back from uh, Europe on a trip, a uh, uh, business trip. And so uh, we stopped. And the Phyllis came out from here. And, and that's my wife. And she got... Uh, uh, arrived there, and then I arrived there. We were both there, and so the time, the, the the jet lag for me was working, and so I really couldn't sleep well. And so about about five o'clock in the morning, I, I got up, and and went downstairs and made a little tea and uh, got in the corner and got uh, just up his or in his his uh, living room and started to read the scriptures, and I was having a good time praying and, and all the rest. And, and all of a sudden, about quarter to six, from the, the stairs, somebody started to come down the stairs. And all I could see was their legs and everything, and I knew it was my son, Scott. And he walked down, walked over, and I was sitting in this chair, and he looked at me and he said, Dad, I knew I'd find you here. Can I join you? And so they used to join me on quiet times. And why? Because I set a focus to be the kind of man they would say, that man I want to follow. They didn't have to point to other people. They pointed to me. And it wasn't an ego thing. It just I wanted to be that guy for them. Because my father was a great guy, but he's quiet. And he, he just hardly, he left early in the morning, came back late. He owned businesses. He was very well, we were very wealthy as we grew up. I had a beautiful home, and, and uh, uh, but I, I just long sometimes to just have him, you know, get engaged with me and do things. And so finally he did. But it took him, all the other brothers didn't have it, but uh, he lost a lot of money on this one buying of a big uh, chemical company. And he, um, through a series of things that uh, what happened, he, was, he lost the money before he could even start it. And it just took this wind out of his sails. But you know what? He was so available to me. He'd come out and watch my high school uh, practices, you know, in football. And uh, then, uh, then I was, uh, uh, my, my senior year, I got to be uh, a, a lot of honors uh, in uh, all states and all these things. And then I got recruited with people. And he came, and he was so proud of me, I could just tell. And we did things together. Uh, the, uh, the water main from the ro- coming in from the road uh, broke, and, and he, was this, he was a 1930s depressions guy, so he does all his own work, and we could have hired somebody to do it. But he said, Paul, you and I are going to dig this. And it was like digging a grave, uh, you know, just a, you know, a square like this. And, and we just kept going down till we finally hit it and repaired it, and we laughed, we talked. Uh, it was. I, I can still remember it. One of the uh, everything that happened with that. But he wasn't. He didn't have some of the background I had. I had a tremendous model 
of a guy who was just a committed dad, who was very, very successful in his, in his business, but he, he just was a committed dad. And he was out, he told me one day, he wanted to be the dad that I dreamed of having. Quit, he says, quit, I, I quit stop my complaining that I didn't get it, but I decided, Lord, would you help me be that dad? And just like this guy Fred, he brought everybody Everybody knew Fred. There's things happening. It wasn't a, it wasn't a science, a, a difficult science or, or whatever. He just did these things. And so this is, this is the kind of thing. And, and you see, uh, like, uh, you know, Antonio, he, he had a life that was filled with, with just a, a joy because he just didn't settle for selling flowers. But he settled for impacting people's life by selling beauty, bringing beauty into their lives. And so it's, it's that kind of a thing that we're after. And so um, I feel like for us, where you are, there, there are a couple things that uh, we, we can look at. And uh, I've done this with a number of people that uh, particularly uh, we, we coach. And at the beginning of the year, we do, uh, we do one thing. We we uh, think about what needs to be done and what, uh, how the last year went. And then what he did was he, he, uh, I gave them a, a, a challenge to put down what do we want, first of all, to keep, what I'm, what I'm doing. I want to keep doing it. What do I want to stop that I'm doing? And what do I want to start? Those three things. What do I want to keep going? What do I want to um, stop? And what do I want to start? And it's amazing, the conversations we've had. What kind of things would you see of that? That one thing you wish, you, you know, in order to pursue what you want to do and what you, you sense God doing or just being in a role that you're in, to, to, to make it better, maybe there's not, you know, it's going to be as clear as it will be later if you keep praying and working with it. But what is it that you'd want to, um, you know, just keep going? What would you want to stop? And what would you want to start? And, and they could be little things. But it'll move us in a new direction. And so that's what I, uh, I've been doing with some guys at uh, this first of the year, these first two you know, two months, and it's really something that is exciting, I feel. Now, there's a lot of things that um, we could say and go on here, but what do you think? Is this enough for us to, to keep working and to be thinking? Maybe you guys have some questions or something like that. And, and if I can't answer it, Russell can. So.